Hi, everybody. My name is Dr. Justin Coulson. And uh, every now and again, we have to talk about some things that are hard. This is a presentation to help you if somebody you know has been affected by suicide, where somebody's been so sad about life that they've chosen to end their own life. It happens far too often in our schools, it happens far too often with our young people. And sometimes our children don't really know who to talk to. And even if they do know who to talk to, sometimes if it's us, we're not quite sure what to say. So the purpose of this presentation is to offer some guidance, some help, some suggestions for what you might say if there's a suicide in your school. This is just a short conversation, probably 10 or 12 minutes at the most, to give you some tips and some pointers for how you can respond if something like this happens at your school. And I want to start off with just some basic rules. I'm not going to go too deep on this. I don't think that it helps to try to follow a carefully constructed script because every situation is different. Every child is different. Sometimes your child might be affected by the loss of somebody in their year that they were close to, or perhaps they were not really close at all. They just knew of them. Sometimes circumstances are going to be such that you're going to need to get a lot of professional involvement and help. And other times, a brief conversation will probably be enough. You know, sometimes your kids might not even want to talk at all. And so some basic rules just to guide you as a parent to help you to step through this very sensitive time with children who may be feeling like life is really hard. I guess the biggest concern that we have when something like this happens is the, the, the chance, the likelihood of copycat responses. This is a risk. This can happen. But I want to assure you that unless your child is showing depressive signs and is, I guess, at risk and has those underlying uh, variables that, that could lead them in this direction, most of the time our children spending time together and even talking about hard things will usually help them to feel better. It is important to remember as well, that, although I should say that, that we always want to be careful. So rule number one is don't try to fix it because you can't. So often a child will come to us with a challenge, a trial, a difficulty, some sort of adversity. In this case, they might come to you and say, I'm so sad because my friend or because one of my fellow students is now dead. And we have this sense as parents that the only thing that we are supposed to do is make it all better. And so we say things that sound clumsy and inauthentic. This doesn't work and it's not going to help our children to progress. When we try to fix things, sometimes they think that we're trying to fix them and they, they're kind of like, well, but there's nothing the matter with me. Or they worry that there might be something the matter with them. When we try to fix things, they often don't feel heard. What they need instead is empathy, careful listening, and gentle conversations. I'll talk more about that shortly. The next most important thing, or next most basic rule, I guess, though, is that we shouldn't be trying to make them talk. There's been some really smart research on this. Timothy Wilson wrote a book that was called Redirect, and in that he summarizes quite a lot of studies, probably about a decade's worth, maybe a little more than that now, studies that highlight that when somebody experiences a traumatic event, in the case of most of these studies, we're talking about emergency workers that are called out to on-site difficulties and, and, and trauma. But sometimes it is the aftermath of a suicide or some other uh, traumatic and challenging experience. 
for ordinary people rather than those people who are on the front lines. Quite often there's this idea that we're supposed to go into the debrief room, we're supposed to sit down with a counsellor and we're supposed to get it all out. But the research shows that forcing that process can actually create more trauma rather than reducing the trauma that a person is feeling. Now, if, if somebody wants to, if somebody chooses to talk, then that's important that they should have that opportunity. Similarly, though, if somebody doesn't feel like now's the right time to talk, it's, it's so important that we give them the time to do the processing, processing that they need to do before we ask them to sit down and have a conversation. You need to trust that your kids will open up and talk when they're ready. The main thing is that you give them the space the space to process things on their own, but also the safe space to come to you and have a conversation when they're ready. You might say something to them like, I heard the, I heard the awful news. How are you doing? Would you like to have a conversation about it or do you think that you just need to have your own space and time just now? And let them decide. You might want to check in again in 24 or 48 or 72 hours, maybe a week or two down the track and invite them in and I'll talk to you about how you can do that shortly. But the central rule here is don't force them to talk. Don't make them sit down and tell you everything that they know. Don't say, well, you need to, you know, I'm stressed out of my mind. Are you okay? Are your friends okay? That kind of response is usually going to be undermining for their well-being rather than supportive of the well-being. The next thing that I really want to encourage is that we should build a foundation of compassion. This is where we start to help our children know that we get how it is for them. In fact, if we look at the meaning of the word compassion, it comes from two Latin words that have been conjoined. Now, I don't speak Latin and I'll make a mess of it if I try. So I'll just give you the, the English version. If you split compassion down the middle, you get com and passion. Com is a Latin word that means together. So I have a, a marriage companion. I live in a community. We are communicating we, 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 when we fight, we have combat. We go to work for a company. COM is together with others. The word passion doesn't mean what I always thought that it meant. I thought it was Anthony Robbins getting very excited and passionate about something. But the word passion actually comes from a Latin word that means to suffer. If we build a foundation of compassion, what we actually do is we see our child and we meet them in their suffering. We don't try to fix them. We don't try to force them to talk. Instead, we simply say to them something like, you must be feeling so awful, or this must be so hard to comprehend. I wonder if you're feeling confused and challenged. When we talk about the emotions that they're feeling, we show them that we can identify with the suffering that they might be experiencing. And we don't try to fix it and we don't try to get them to talk. We actually sit there with them if they'll allow us. We literally sit there in that suffering. We may even suffer as well. Perhaps we can put ourselves in that position. We might say, I can't imagine how hard it must be. We might say, I just keep thinking of the parents of that beautiful child who was such a great kid. They must be in so much pain. When we build a foundation of compassion, we focus on the emotions that our children are feeling and those around them. And we stay sitting in them. We don't try to change them. We don't try to get past them. We acknowledge them and be there with them. In fact, 
What we do next is we explore the emotion by explaining the emotion. We spend time describing it. When you see this happen, when you hear about this happening, when you experience this, it can leave you feeling so confused. It can leave you feeling whether, wondering whether or not you'd be helpless if you were in that situation. You sometimes probably feel hopeless as well. And so we explore the emotion by explaining the emotion. We talk about what we can see in our child. I noticed when you came in the door, I could see that you were feeling awful. I could see that you were really flat and really down. The purpose of this is not to change the emotion, not to fix the emotion, or even to get our children talking. It's simply to get them to understand that we get where they're coming from. If you can imagine having a horrible day yourself and you walk in the door at the end of the day and your partner says to you, well, it looks like you've had such a tough day. That's such a different way to respond than, oh, don't come in here with all that miserableness. Or, you know what, if you reckon you had a tough day, I had a pretty tough day too. Sometimes we do those things. Or sometimes we just say, oh, come on, it's not that bad. Cheer up. It's going to be okay. Now, it's important for reassurance to occur from time to time, but we don't necessarily want that reassurance in the moment. Sometimes we just need to sit in the emotion. And the best way to sit in the emotion is to explain the emotion as you see it. And then be quiet and invite your child to share. If they don't share, you might say to them, do you want some time to have this emotion on your own or would you like to talk through things with me? Give them the space. You might even give them in fantasy what they can't have in reality. This is one of my favorite strategies for, for working with our children when they are having such a hard time. And the way this works is we say to them, I bet you wish that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if... In other words, we give them a sense that we really do know how it is while still drawing a line in the sand to highlight that it can't be like that with tremendous empathy. I think that the most sensitive and challenging thing to say, but perhaps one of the most important things to say is, you wish this had never happened. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could go to sleep tonight and wake up and when we go to school tomorrow, everybody's where they're supposed to be and your friend is back in the classroom sitting beside you. That's giving them in fantasy what they can't have in reality. It's saying, I understand. You just want things to be back the way they always were, the way that they're supposed to be. I wish that was the case too. Wouldn't it be great if we could go ahead with that camp that you all had planned for the end of the year? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you were able to celebrate at their birthday party the way they came and celebrated it at yours last month? When we say this, we're giving voice to these emotions of sadness and regret and pain. We're also acknowledging the, the fear and maybe even the, that how could this happen and why them? We're stepping into it and saying, I understand how you feel. Wouldn't it be great if it was different? And we're allowing it to be different in their mind, giving them in fantasy what they can't have in reality, maybe one of the most compassionate ways that we can be in this moment with them. Maybe one of the most compassionate ways that we can explore their emotions by explaining their emotions. One of the most compassionate ways that we can give them space to process without actually having to open up and talk about things while also allowing them the room that they need to step in and say something if they need to. The last thing that I really want to share is this. Empower them by asking, how can I help? Once you've sat there and listened, once you've been in that moment with them, just say, 
where do we go from here? What do you need from me? What's the best thing that we can do? When we empower them by asking this, what we do is we actually essentially say to them, you know, this is hard and I'm here to support you, but I can't actually get through this for you. You're the one that has to take the next step. I'm right beside you and I'm supporting you all the way, but what's best now? What do you think you should do? How can I help you to do that? And hopefully your child will do something extraordinary if you ask this question and work through this process. Hopefully your child will then do what I think is the most important thing that can come out of a situation like this. They'll find meaning and purpose. Because when you say, how can I help? Or what do you think is the next best thing to do? They might say, I think that we need to create a memorial. Or I think that we should go by my friend's parents' house and sit with them and let them know how much we loved their son or their daughter. Maybe your child can find a way to help others find meaning and purpose through such a sad, tragic experience. The research tells us that if we can give them the space, not force them to talk, show compassion, explore their emotions, often by explaining their emotions, empowering them to come up with ideas for themselves about how they can find meaning and purpose. What we usually see is children who adapt wonderfully well as a result of these awful, terribly sad challenges. If this has happened in your school, I am so, so deeply sorry for you. I hope so very much that your children are okay. I hope that you're able to have meaningful, purposeful conversations that help them to move in a positive direction and find meaning and purpose through this sorrow. Thank you so much for watching this video. I hope that it's helpful for you and for the people that you love. Until next time, I wish you well.